Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we believe that companies exist to produce more value for their customers than it costs them to deliver. I'm Mark Boundy, your host, and today I am thrilled to have Scott Newsom, who is the chief financial officer of a company currently in Vienna, but he's uh, transitioning it to a Delaware holding corporation. Scott, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Mark. And your company, Dexwet, is a leader in filtration, air filtration. Is that correct? Yes, actually, air filtration technology. So tell me more about that. Well, um, we've we pretty much come up with, uh, I guess, in, in a sense, a better mousetrap. When you, when you think of air filtration, there really hasn't been a lot of change since the 1970s when HEPA filters were created. Now, what we did is we just change things the, the way the design and using natural physics. Uh, kind of like how your nose works when you breathe. Uh, a lot of people are mouth breathers where they just breathe the air directly into their lungs. But if you actually breathe through your nose, it goes through a, a wet filtration process. Um, and that's the essential uh, effectiveness of, of our filter. Wow. It's a wet filter, it's a wet filter. So your capability, the, the what you do is a wet filtration system. And what capabilities does that give that your customers care about? Well, we, we've got about, I guess, five sort of unique features. But I think the, the overall is, is pretty much the what the experience that the customer is looking for. Good. So when you, I guess uh, you're, you're talking about value, the, our value proposition to the customer is clean, pure air uh, to breathe uh, for themselves and for their loved ones. We also have an aspect for machine health, which keeps machines uh, working effectively and efficiently. So it's either going to be cleaning the air for people to breathe or cleaning the air for machines to work better. Great. Now, there's lots of people who claim that. And so my definition of value, I'm we all talk about value. We know we, we want value-oriented business. But when I ask 19 people what your definition of value is, I usually get about 20 definitions of value. Yeah. So value to me starts with the fact that customers do not buy your product or service. They buy their own outcomes for their own reasons. Sure. So value is the desirability of those outcomes that a customer achieves by doing business with you. And so that means what I is agree unique, with that, right? What is I your agree unique, with that, yes. Right? What is your unique capability? What differentiated outcomes? Like there's lots of people who claim clean air. Right. But there's some capability you have that delivers a differentiated outcome that makes the Dexwet product special. So I would love to just kind of dig into not necessarily the technology, but what the differentiated capability is and what differentiated, what outcomes you deliver that nobody else can. Sure, sure. That's, that's, um, that's what, that's the basis of your value. 
I would, that's a fantastic topic to talk about. Um, um, Basically, when you look at air filtration, the purpose of any air filtration is to filter out uh, particles from the air. And they use a medium to filter out these particles. And when you use a medium, it generally restricts airflow. And the greater the uh, the filtration, the greater the loss of this airflow. And this is why um, you use fans to push the air through the filter medium, like a heat pump or, or any other kind of fan that blows the, the air through the filter. You bet. Now, now, our filter technology, and this is what differentiates, we use staggered filter rods. And then we use either two or more layers and where you can actually see through the filters. Um, and then we coat these filter rods in uh, with sticky oil. Uh, it's kind of like flypaper. Um, it's tacky. Yeah. And then the air simply flows around the rods or some of it flows through it and the particles get stuck and permanently bonded in the oil. Now, the, the differentiation part um, is we offer the lowest resistance of airflow. That's number one uh, of any other filter in the market. And that allows us to, to work in markets that uh, with machines that filters, air filters cannot actually work. Like uh, we have a heat radiator filter that works with convection airflow, which is just simply uh, hot air moving to cold air on uh, oh, okay. the, the movement of that. Uh, we also work with uh, vacuum uh, filters, uh, vacuum um, with that works at sonic speed um, on plastic molding injection machines. Got it. The, the, second, uh, the second point is our filters are just highly effective at removing particles. Like you said, that's the whole point of air filter is you got to catch the particles. Yeah. And have you ever had to, to change like a vacuum filter or, or an HVAC filter? I and, and it's all, yeah, it's all nasty and dirty. And um, the, you got to get your plastic bag ready to, to carefully take it out and put it, because what happens if you picked it up and you shook it? All of that, yeah, all the dust just gets reintroduced yeah. into the environment and the next yeah. filter's got to catch it. Yeah, so with ours, since it's an oil-based filter, all of the particles are permanently bonded in the oil. So you can shake it as much as you want and nothing's going to come out. But the other, the other point, which is point three, is you don't need a garbage bag. You take our filter, you put it in the dishwasher, or you run hot water over it, you clean it off, you reapply the oil, and you stick it back in for reuse. So it's sustainable. And the, that is a massive part. It's kind of like uh, in, the, in the printer industry. Uh, everyone buys a, a printer, and it's really cheap. But the expensive part is buying the ink refills and the yep. printer, all the cartridges. Now, with ours, you don't have to keep rebuying the filters over and over again. We just want to uh, get one filter for the life of the machine. And you use it, clean it, reapply the oil, and put it back in for reuse. And it'll last for the life of the machine. That's pretty cool. So <laughs> a... Fair, a, a fair, a fairly skilled salesperson can talk about that lack of cleaning and the lower supply costs and the lower lifetime costs because of the lower supply. But there are some applications where, like you said, the uh, the um, convective heat and some of the vacuum, uh, where a conventional medium just doesn't work, and now you have to have your salespeople 
understanding that application, understanding the customer's business and understanding the filtration environment, the engineering involved and becoming an engineering resource. Yeah, it's it's actually it's it's actually quite uh, interesting and, and quite fun to sort of blow some of um, the service people's minds like our service partners in, in Europe that uh, service uh, heat radiators. Um, no conventional filter would actually work on a heat radiator because of it works at convection air. Yeah. And if you put a filter on it, it just stops the airflow. But with our filters, you can put it on the bottom and it'll, it'll filter the, the air that's flowing through just at convection speed. Wow. And, and our first obstacle when we talk to people is, well, you can't put a filter on a radiator. Everyone knows that. And it's like, well, everyone knows it based off of what everyone knows, you know? So, you know, so a big part of what we have to do is we have to educate the market. And when you educate the market that there is a filter that can work when these extremes and it actually does what it's supposed to do, where it filters out the particles, it's sort of like you have to see it to believe it kind of thing. Yep. So a lot of it is in the demonstration. And then once people see the demonstration, then they're like, wow, it blows their mind. Yeah, so I've you know I've I've kind of skulked around your company website a little bit, and you talk a lot about engineered uh, understanding your customers' business and making engineered solutions for for clients. Yes, that demands application engineering or sales engineering that takes the time to understand the application, the engineering challenges, understand the entire system. Uh, yes. I tell my clients that as the seller, you're responsible. You're, we all know you're responsible for knowing your own stuff, your own technology, your own product, your own capabilities. Mm-hmm. But a real sales engineer in a, a situation like that is the one who's responsible for understanding the customer's business better than the customer does. I I do agree, um, but one of the one of the things that we um, that we try to work with, and it's actually um, it is it is difficult, is our best application is when we work with companies on the manufacturing level. Yeah. So when they're manufacturing, and so we need to work with a company's R and D. And, you know, R&D is a secret in nature. So yeah. companies don't freely open up their R&D, say, hey, come work with us and we'll tell you all about our new latest and greatest product that we're developing and it should be ready in six months or two years from now. Yeah. So, um, and if you look at most filters, most filters are a part of a machine. It's not a separate thing that go, people go out and buy. It's something that they buy to put into something else. So it's, it's engineered into the product. Yeah. So so a big part of what we do is we say, look, we can help your machines work better if you put our filters in it. And the effectiveness of it is both the effectiveness of more efficient machines. Actually, you use less energy because you don't require a larger compressor to push it through. So if it's also a battery company, uh, maybe an electric car, they don't have to use as much battery on the compressor to push the air medium through. And the outcome for the end customers, which is the end customers, they don't have to change the filter every three months. You can change it once a year. Our filters last uh, three to four times larger, longer than a conventional air filter. And 
there's also no additional expense. You buy it once and then it's a um, rinse and repeat kind of a, a little, a little bit of oil. Yeah, a little bit of yeah, oil, a little just, bit of layer. Yeah. That's that's really cool. The 20 years ago, I left a company called W.L. Gore and Associates, who you may compete with. Uh, they make media okay. filters. Okay. Uh, out of uh, essentially a Teflon membrane. So right. it can be used because it's Teflon, it can be used in some pretty harsh chemical environments. And because it's Teflon, it can be rather it can be backwashed much more rapidly because the, the gunk doesn't stick to the Teflon as much as it does in a polyester filter. Right. So I kind of I, I got a distant view because I was in a different division, not the filtration division. But having that credibility with a customer that they will allow you to co-create and co-engineer a solution. What are the challenges that your your sales engineers or your sales and your your you know the front end customer engagement folks have in getting that level of trust and confidence from a customer where you can co-create a solution? It 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 comes down to awareness. And and again it's it comes down to people uh, actually seeing the technology more. What we did recently, we had a, a, a live test in a, in a school in, in Austria and we were there for three weeks and the uh, independent uh, company tested our filters uh, for the air quality with the kids in the classroom. And every test that we've done before that was always in a laboratory and, and it had very strict kind of guidelines but there was a lot of chaos. You know, you got a classroom of about 30 kids and, you know, it, it just created a lot of uh, anomalies. We, uh, they ended up analyzing, I think, over 2 million uh, data points. And, but the results were fantastic. We, we cleared the room of the large particles, medium-sized particles, and the ultra-fine dust particles um, in less than two and a half hours. And with fantastic effectiveness. Um, so the results were much better than we could have ever hoped. And to your point under your question, that is what's leading people to seek us out. Yep. Uh, in the last, um, that came out about two weeks ago. In the last two weeks, we have been inundated with requests of, hey, can your filter work in this industry or in that, that industry? Um, we've gotten requests from automobiles, from air conditioners, um, other schools from other parts of the world where they, they want to bring the kids back to the classroom and say, hey, we don't we, we live in a hot climate, so we don't have any heat radiators. Do you have a filter that works in uh, in a in a cool climate uh, in a in a hot climate that we can um, use it on an AC and say, um, not yet, but we're getting there, you know. We, we've got um, filter technologies that we've developed, but we need to only, we can only uh, handle the low hanging fruit right yeah. now. Yeah. That's, so, yeah. but getting, but definitely getting uh, new, new industries uh, interested. I think it's going to be a snowball effect. Yeah, Once we start getting a little bit more momentum with some yeah. of the existing industries that we're in, yeah. uh, it'll catch on to others. Now uh, I'm going to go back to the classroom example. Yeah. And I was following your story, but you started after you started the story after you developed enough credibility so that they wanted to test it. Yes. And well, so the, the, the I'm interested in the process that it took to get somebody interested, because 
um, you had to show some credibility and, and show that the test was worthwhile because test that test isn't cheap. And it's also it, it is not yes not cheap and it is not risk free for a school administrator to say I'm trying something on your kids. Well, here here's the thing. Um, you you've seen the 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 movie Sound of Music? Yeah. All right, that's Austria. So you think of Austria, you think of beautiful mountains and beautiful green grass and clean clean air, right? So what a great place to have an air filtration company. Um, so the it was a big it's always been a, um, uh, a bit of a barrier to try to convince people that there's lots of little tiny particles floating around in the air that you need to filter out that you can't see. Yeah. Um, but what's happened in this last year and, and some, um, we've had a global pandemic. And during the global pandemic, the news has made it abundantly clear that there's all these tiny little particles floating around that you can't see that is harmful for you. So that became a motivator for a local mayor to do some research to say, how can I get my kids back into school in a safe environment? And lo and behold, there's a, we were about two hours away from them and they said, there's a company right next to us that could do this. Let's contact them and see if they could come and, and do an experiment to try wow. to bring our kids back safely. So it, it was a bold move by the mayor of the town. That's um, so I was expecting it probably took a little bit of re outreach, but it sounded like they discovered you and and wanted to try something. Well, I think it was prodded along. One of our um, one of our sales guys has a friend from that town uh, who is in the he does service on radiators. Yeah. And he had known of our technology. And so I think it was a bit of a combination of, you know, multiple channels and yeah. and seeing some things in the media over the years. And it was a lot of things come down to timing. I think yeah. really good companies come down to market timing. And we just happened to have the technology, you know, because this technology was patented back in 2002. So it's been around for a while. It's just the market really didn't have a need for it until this pandemic came out. Yeah. And now people are really focusing on it and say, this can really help people in this situation, in closed room environments to filter out this air. How easy is it to retrofit a building with your filtration system? Well, our filters, you they've got magnets that you snap on the bottom of it and a heat radiator, you just snap the magnets on the bottom and yep. it takes about, I don't know, a couple, couple minutes to uh, assemble it. It's kind of like Lego. Yeah. Our filters. What about, yeah. What about a forced air system that like we have here in North America? Well, we, what we've done is we've developed uh, the same, we've taken the same filter and we've retrofitted it uh, for an HVAC system. I think it's the HVAC system that you're talking about. Yeah. And effectively we use the same magnets uh, and the same filter, but we just configure it to the size of an of an exchange vent. And you just take it and you snap it on the exchange vent. So the, the air that's blowing in your room and hitting you in your face, it has to pass through our filter before it hits you and everything gets filtered out before all the air in the room is is breathed by the by the people sitting in it. Yeah. So all the shared spaces, at least they're not getting transmission from the air ventilation system. Yeah. And from room to room. So that's important, like in hotel rooms and hospitals and classrooms. 
Yeah. Because because a big problem now when kids go to school and they get a cold, it could be a cold from the next classroom and it goes through the air filtration system and they weren't even sitting next to the person. They yeah, got a I'm, cold from a person in another classroom. Yeah, I'm thinking of um, congregate care or elder care facilities. You know, we have one in my neighborhood that just got built and it opened for new occupants uh, about a week and a half before the world shut down 14 months ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking it certainly was designed and certainly was built without COVID transmission in mind. Exactly. Right. So that thing, I can just imagine how hard it was to lease that thing up or rent that up. But what would happen if, if there was a quick retrofit to a building like that? Yeah, in, in time, in time, we, we would like to, of course, work with developers that and, and incorporate our technology into a new designed uh, filtration system, like an HVAC system. However, in order to service the market need that it needs right now is we need this retrofit. Yeah. And, and what we feel is in time, we don't want to manufacture filters for everyone. We want to partner with the existing filter manufacturers. And so in the coming years, we look to license our technology with them, let them use their hundreds of factories that they have all over the world, and then they can just license our technology, making their filters using our technology. Yeah. Okay, cool. So here's a, a corporate leader question. Yeah. I believe that um, many companies have departmentalized and compartmentalized and siloed. And I have some some clients that have a dozen different departments that regularly touch the customer. When mm -hmm. I was a puppy, uh, it might have been five, but now we've got five because we've got sales, sales engineers, application engineers, tech support, three layers of tech support, da da da, right? And uh, accounts payable, customer success, uh, field service, and so many times corporate leaders tell everybody in that tribe other than sales just stay in your lane do your job and come back to the office yeah and of those 12 nine of them are people that we tell to stay in your lane and come back to the office but those nine have higher trust relationships with our customers than our salespeople do they yeah. have act they have access to people within the customer that our salespeople don't have Yes. So there is a challenge that I see where everybody who touches the customer needs to understand that customer's business and at least have ability, have some cursory business or customer outcome decision or discussion, excuse me, that they can take back and give to sales. Like, you know what I learned out over here while I was installing this? Mm -hmm. um, is that something that you try for or try to do at DexWet? Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess we, we, we use like the, the KISS principle, you know, keep it simple and stupid. Yeah. And, and with that is the, the message that you, that you need to give everyone not only needs to be clear, but it also needs to be easily understood. So essentially everyone in our entire organization needs to be involved in delivering this message. So the, the, the simplicity of the message is reflected in our mission statement, which is to have a positive effect. And if everyone in the company understands we're looking for putting yourself in 
in the person's shoes who you're talking to and what kind of outcome are they having? Is it positive or negative? And you always want to strive for a positive outcome. Sure. And, and to have that as sort of the mantra of, of the company. And like you said, everyone in the company within the organization is going to be affecting the customers, whether it's someone in accounts or someone in sales or, or someone that's an, uh, an engineer. If they're always looking to help the, the end user to have a positive outcome, then it will sort of trickle down. So, and, and I think the best way to do it is to just have a very simple message. That way people don't mess it up. It's like, you know, that old game that uh, Postman, I think it is, yeah. where you, you'd have to pass the message all the way around the room. And by the time it comes up to the end, it, you, no one is completely different. But if you just have something very, very simple, um, then it, you don't get different messages to the yeah. customers. No, I, I like that very much. I, I like the fact that you keep the message simple. And I think, you know, you and I, you, you seem younger than I am, but uh, I went to business school and learned. I that, age well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I learned that it's the executive's job to understand the market and to decide what change is going to happen and deploy it down to uh, people and to deploy that change and tell them what to do. And I think the new world is one where everybody in the organization is a sensory organ. Yes. And change has to come from those people with guidelines set by leaders. Yes. And that's not quite the way we learned it in business school, is it? No, but um, but the way that you're exp uh, uh, expressing it is that's the way it works in the real world. Not everything you learn in school is the way is actually uh, applicable to to real world. And the thing is, you never know where the next great idea is going to come from. Sometimes it comes from the person, the new hire that you did it. And, and they just ask a simple question is, why do you do it this way? And then a lot of times, well, this is in our processes and procedures. This is the way we've always done it. And I say, well, haven't you heard of this new technology that allows you to do this and this and this and you can... I don't have to do this work. This is like such horrible work for me to do. You know, I could just do this one little simple app. And you're like, that's fantastic. Send it to this person and it gets to us. And then we look at it and we're very integrated from a technology standpoint. And it can, boom, it can happen very, very quickly. And we can, we take this information from our customers. We're always open for, for new ideas. Being a technology company and innovator, you have to be re receptive to all kinds of ideas. Let's try this, let's try this, let's try this. And to, to actually make, do an assessment. And the other thing that's important when we do get assessments, we don't tell anyone where the idea came from. We don't say it came from a customer or it came from the janitor or it came from the scientist or the engineer or even the, the COO. We, we just say, here's an idea. What do you think about it? And then we start throwing it around. And if it's a good idea, it's a good idea. That way it's not tainted with, oh, it, if it's coming from a high level person, then it must be a good idea. And if it's coming from a low level person, it must be a bad idea. It's a great practice to uh, divorce divorce the, the idea from the, the title 
of the person originating for the messenger it divorces yeah. it from the messenger yeah yeah because there's there's baggage that goes along with that because some people they may not want their their co-worker on their same level to get um benefits yeah you know, there, there's intercompetition that and you just have to sort of strip that away with just the pure idea well, I love the business that you're in, uh, and I love this Dexwet business model. Uh, Scott, thank you for your time. How can people get a hold of you or get a hold of somebody to learn more? Uh, I think the best way is through our website, uh, Dexwet Holdings, D-E-X-W-E-T, Holdings, plural, dot com. And they could also search me out on, on LinkedIn. And uh, I'm... I'm sort of active on LinkedIn. I'm more active uh, through email. So probably the best way is going to be through email and access me through the website. Great. Scott, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate your time. You're sharing the technology, sharing a real exciting business and sharing how you adapt that technology into, into customers, different customer needs. Um, really excited to keep my eye on you as, as things go on. Uh, thanks again. Yeah, Mark, thanks. It was a great conversation today. Appreciate and it. thanks, everybody, for joining us on the Value Clarity Podcast, where we remember that value is something that only exists in your customer's mind, which means that your success in business is determined between your customer's ears. Thanks, and have a high-value day. Well, it ain't easy, cause value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're gonna drive both of you insane. And if you ignore your customers' outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues, cause you'll be singing those old, don't know value blue. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.